All right. It is the second edition of our top 10 players list at each position. This week, we're going down with the top 10 first basements. Let's hit the intro music and we'll get right into this. Hello and welcome to this edition of Side Retired, the MLB podcast. It is Dylan, James, Nico, and Henry as always. And well, we initially had budgeted this episode to be a recap of um, the top 10 things that are happening at the winter meetings. We expected multiple trades and free agents to occur at this point, but well, nothing's happened. And congrats to Alex Verdugo on becoming a Yankee. We've got that. And Marco Gonzalez was flipped to the Pittsburgh Pirates. But other than that, all quiet on the Nashville front, but we're going to be talking about the top 10 first basemen. But we do have some Yankees and Red Sox fans on the podcast. So before we talk Bryce Harper and Freddie Freeman, let's do a little Alex Verdugo talking. Boys, what do we think about the trade? Okay. I mean, I, got it, Henry. All right. I said it on Side of Tired uh, social medias, a Side of Tired pod on Instagram and Twitter. Just go give it a follow. Um if this is, I'm so scared that this is the only move. Like in my bones, I feel like this is going to be Brian Cashman being like, we got our lefty outfielder. And like, realistically, I know that they're still in on Soto, but I've, I've lived the nightmare for so long of them saying we're out on Harper. It's a little too obvious. And then them actually being out on Bryce Harper in 2018, that I could very well see a, see a world where it plays out that, just that's how it goes down. And so in a vacuum, it's honestly not a bad signing. But if this is it, man, yeah, I don't I don't know what else I'm I don't know what else I could do as a fan. Nico, you're on the opposite end of the trade seeing Alex Verdugo, one of the fan favorites, get dumped. Yeah, I mean it was the writing was kind of on the wall. I mean, I think a lot of people after seeing what was happening in like July and August especially like with the pinnacle being Verdugo getting sat for getting in, um coming to the game like multiple times late. And the fact that there was a clog in the outfield with a lot of guys producing and the thought that a lot of people on the Red Sox also want to bring guys like Duvall back, that Verdugo was kind of the odd man out with like Duran making steps. So it wasn't very surprising. I thought in my mind that it made sense to go to the, the Yankees just because, again, the left-handed bat, everything Henry said. Um, I think the Red Sox kind of showed their hand a little that he was getting traded and that may diminish his value because I do think he's still a good, a good player. And I think it's just he's not really fitting on the future of the Red Sox. But I think, again, even though I personally knew it the day he got traded because he's biased my favorite player in the MLB, this just solidified that the Mookie Betts, Bloom's first big move was a absolute dumpster fire. And what we do now also have breaking news. There's another transaction that just occurred. The Houston Astros have agreed to a two-year contract with Victor Caratini, a catcher, which means that, James, you will be rejoicing because Martin Maldonado's tenure as a Houston Astro appears over, and Yiner Diaz will officially become the everyday catcher uh, for the Houston that. Astros. You don't I, know that. I, I assume because it seemed like they had the a numbers, love affair you- they yeah. put Martin Maldonado the start of the If you look, if you look, there's a world where if you look at if you look at the numbers, you would have thought, no, there's no way Maldonado starts. <laughs> so, well, but granted, Dusty's gone. So, absolutely, Joe Spot is now taken over there. But we are going to talk about first baseman, and this is a very, very 
top heavy, but also stacked position. And I think there's a big difference between you've got your perennial MVP candidates at top Olsen, Freeman, Bryce Harper, Paul Goldschmidt, Pete Alonzo. And then in this eight to 10 range, there is a group of guys that have not proven much in the major leagues yet, but it's easy to conceive that they are top 10 finishers in the MVP this upcoming season. For example, Spencer Torkelson, Vinny Pasquantino, Tristan Casas, Spencer Steer. So two different sections of first baseman. So let's start off with the MVP candidates. And James, how about you read us your top three players and how you decided to order them? Yes, yeah, so my top three is uh, Freeman, Olsen, and then Harper. I felt like Freeman's performance this season put him a little ahead of Olsen. Uh, Olsen, I mean, obviously had a ton of home runs and was just behind Freeman in all the MVP uh, voting. So I had Olsen at two. Uh, and then I think Harper, without a question, is the third best. Nico, give us your top three. Uh, I personally have it a little different. I actually have uh, Harper at number one, Freeman at number two, Olsen at number three. Um, this is not, not an indictment on Freeman. This is not going to be an argument at as why Harper was better than Freeman this year. Um, this goes on the fact of, I think that Harper, what he did this year was extremely impressive. The fact that he played the whole season basically on one arm was he had one of the biggest recoveries from Tommy John we've ever seen. And I truly do believe that if everything goes how like kind of the odds makers are doing it with Otani being a DH in LA, I think Harper has a real good pathway to being the MVP. So this stems from a lot of, I'm seeing Harper going back to 2019 Harper. And I see after his recovery, I think he goes and he comes back in an astounding way. And I think that he has a very good shot at being the MVP this year. And again, if I have him being my pick for the MVP, he's obviously going to be the number one Freeman, nothing on Freeman. Freeman's a fantastic first baseman. If you told me Freeman's going to win the MVP, I wouldn't bat an eye because he's just so good. The guy's a doubles machine. And then Olsen's three. I think Olsen, is again very good i wish he would hit a little bit more for average but i think that freeman's just so good that olsen kind of gets slotted at number three for how i see harper and freeman seasons going next year and henry you've got a different number one as well if you want to take us through your top three i do i mean this was at least for me sort of uh like a tip of the cap for matt olsen having the platonic ideal of a first baseman season you play your serviceable defense at first and you just absolutely tear the cover off the ball. You hit 54 bombs. I mean, these three guys are – they're just they're the cream of the crop, right? And I there I see no issue in putting any of these three guys in any three orders, right? Harper, I don't disagree with Nico that he will, that he will finish in probably the top how three. How far we've turned. Old side of oh, tired um, members. Okay. Remember. I was going to okay. go on a whole okay. rant of how okay, I hold hate on. Dylan, I was I was I was gonna get to that. I was gonna get to that. <laughs> um, if you remember, I like young Henry. I think he was a sophomore or a junior in high school. At the peak of his cynicism, said Bryce Harper is overrated. Bryce Bryce Harper is <laughs> he sucks. Like this was he, the Ryan he, Barry. He's era a jerk. Before James like, and Nico even knew Cybertard existed. I was I was a snarky little boy. After that, I will become an evolved, mature man. And can see what a not only what a stud Bryce Harper is, but how good he is for the game of baseball. So, but besides that, I think that really you can write these guys are one A, one B, one C, right? Like you got to put numbers on them, but these three guys can be put in any order. I just I felt like Olsen should probably get some love as as being what you dream upon as a first baseman. There's a real world. 
all three of these guys could win MVP next. Exactly. That, that's what yes. I, that's what I'm saying. If we go if we go to our um preseason predictions in March and all three of us have each of our number ones winning MVP, I don't think anyone's sitting there like, wow, that's a hot take. Everyone's sitting there like, yeah, I see it. Olsen hits 55 again and has a better average. Freeman does what Freeman always does. Or Harper goes to 2019 Harper after coming back from his TJ. Like, I think that there's a very real world where the three guys that we have here each could win MVP. And there's one guy, and I have Freeman and uh, Harper at one and two, which I agree with you guys. There's one guy that we haven't mentioned yet, so I'll give him a little plug. Paul Goldschmidt is a year away from winning the National League MVP. And I know 2023 was quote-unquote a down season, but if a down season is a 800-plus OPS, including a 120 OPS plus, hitting 25 bombs, also stealing over 10 bases, sign me up. Because Paul Goldschmidt, I think, was a product of the Cardinals. Uh, Definitely were struggling in the 2023 season. He then put the additional pressure on himself to be the guy that you know, carries that offense and carries them into actually contending. And so the pressure amounted, and obviously Goldschmidt in a quote unquote down year. But I still think Paul Goldschmidt, just we're saying that Freeman and Olsen and um, Harper could win the MVP. I would throw Paul Goldschmidt into that same conversation. I don't think it stuns anyone if Paul Goldschmidt is winning the National League MVP in 2024, just because he has the history of doing it in the past. And he hasn't had I know on catchers, we were mentioning some of the players like Salvador Perez who had really down seasons that caused us to lose them inside the top 10. Paul Goldschmidt in a quote-unquote down year was still an all-star caliber first baseman. So give Paul Goldschmidt credit, future Hall of Famer, and I still think he is definitely in that upper echelon of first baseman, even though you guys all did have him in your top 10, but definitely lower. Um, Henry, you had him at six. Nico, you had him at five. And James, you had him at uh did you have him in there yes you also had him at five so let's get to that secondary tier of guys which are still all-star calibers probably not mvps at this point but still really good baseball players and that is pete alonzo vladimir Guerrero jr and christian walker guys how did you deal with those three first basemen yeah i mean yeah um i had pete's four for me i don't think that's a necessarily hot take right he had what 118 RBIs last year. With let's be honest, Dylan, that was an anemic offense, right? Nobody was yeah. getting on base for that team, and he still didn't. He lead the league in RBIs. Like that was yes. that was a that was a really incredible performance from Pete Alonso. And this is a guy who like who will personally never forgive him for stealing the rookie home run record away like three years after Judge said it. But for me, my five and six are. Yandy Diaz and Vlad Guerrero Jr. Now, honestly, I was at in the beginning, I was sort of looking to put Vlad lower because I go to sleep dreaming of the popcorn movie quotes. Mm-hmm. I seeing this season was like was a it was like a Christmas present almost. It was an early Christmas present seeing Vlad Guerrero just flounder throughout the entire season. But Yandy Diaz is, in my opinion, a top five first baseman, and I feel like people are still sleeping on him too much. I think you can make a very solid case that he is a top three offensive first baseman in the in the in Major League Baseball. And man, it's hard to it's hard to think that the way that he hits isn't going to be able to translate for years to come, especially next year. He's only like I think he's either 32 or 33. Like that's that will translate and he is going to still be able to hit and play 
fairly elite defense when you really take a look at his numbers. James, take it away. Yeah, um, <clears throat> uh, I think that's a really good group of players. Um, I had Diaz at four, Alonzo at six, uh, Walker at eight, um, Guerrero at seven. Um, I just kind of went off how guys hit this past season. Um, I really didn't think – I think defense matters at first base uh, to an extent. Uh, I think I think I really penalized Guerrero for his inability to play defense. But other than that, I think the other guys are pretty comparable with the position. Um, Diaz had a really big breakout year uh, in Tampa Bay this season. Uh, I thought Alonzo continued to hit well. Um, I think amid amidst all the pressure from the fans uh, and the talks of him potentially being shipped out and kind of just dealing with that uh, towards the tail half of the season. Um, and then I think Christian Walker's just been a solid guy year in and year out uh, the past you know three or four seasons. Uh, just continues to play really really high quality baseball down there in Arizona. Uh, nobody really knows it because he's in Arizona. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think that's that's there's 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 tears to this, and I think that that's the clear second grouping uh, that we all agreed upon. Maybe a little bit of a different order for everybody, um, but I think those guys are definitely in that second grouping of first basemen. Nico, there's a first baseman on a lot of our list that I know you've been dying to talk about, and I know you might have thought that you were going to be on an island all by yourself, but I'm joining you there at number eight. Henry joined you as well, I believe, on his list as well as number eight. And then James was the only person to not include him, so we can shame James. But is Tristan Casas a top 10 first baseman in baseball? Tristan Casas was real. I mean, the big thing that I look at, especially with young guys, is how do you adjust? Because I think MOB, the MOB is one of the big things where you kind of expect struggles out of your out of your rookies i think very obviously your studs when they get into the league they just absolutely rake but i think the big thing especially again following what he did throughout the whole year is the way that he was able to grow from the first to second half i think he had mm-hmm. a bit first half i think he was lost i think he was kind of just like a little bit the red Sox are a very like heavy like hater group as with any like big market and especially since Casas is a little bit of a, like an eccentric like he's kind of a weird guy sometimes like he goes and he like walks on the grass with like barefoot like as like a thing to calm him down like I'm gonna be honest, he paints his nails like I'm gonna be honest I don't care what you do as long as you rake and the big thing with me was watching him in the second half on the second half he had an absolute tear had over a thousand OPS and I think that was what we were all expecting from the Bloom era of like, oh, we're just going to stockpile the farm system. Like, okay, that's good, but it better work. I think Tristan Casa showed in the second half that he it could work. I think that his thing worked. He, again, a 1,000 OPS. If he's able to get a little bit better against lefties, I think we kind of tried to platoon him a little bit. And once we kind of let him get loose and be the real true everyday first baseman, he really hit his stride. Again, I'm not expecting an 1,000 OPS from him. But again, if he's a little bit, if he's closer to what he was in the second half, than he was in the first half, I think he's easily going to be a top 10 um, first baseman because what he did in the second half, I think we gets overshadowed by how good Gunner was the whole year. But he was extremely good offensively for a team that couldn't pitch, but again, was again a good offensive team. And it was really led by him in the second half. Henry, I'm going to come to you on this guy because he had a stellar 2023 season, kind of under the radar, and you had him at your number 10 spot. And that is Spencer Torkelson. Are we buying on him? I mean, I don't see how you can't for for and like because again, this is a projection based top ten list. Yes, right in 2023, like all right, 233 average, not great, but again, in this day and age, that's like 
that's pretty average for the for a first baseman. But then you look at 94 RBIs, 31 home runs in Comerica Park. Like that is a hard place to put up those type types of numbers, especially with a Tigers team that sucked. Like yep. the Tigers were not good last year. And in in 606 at bats, that's the most we've seen him get. He's had a rocky beginning to his career, but it really felt like beyond performing well, he settled down, right? Like he felt comfortable at the plate. When you watch Spencer Torkelson at bats before that, he didn't ever really look comfortable at the plate. He looked like he had settled in. He looked like he found a rhythm and he very clearly performed at a pretty pitcher-friendly ballpark. So while I'm not going to buy in fully, right, if I'm putting him at 10, then if he has a bad season, I was like, all right, I only put him at 10. But I'm sort of hedging my bets here being like he could very easily not only put up another 30 home run season, but even outperform this season and just keep building off of it. I think one of the good things there, Nico just pointed out, Comerica Park is the 28th pitcher friendliest ballpark in the league. Thank you for that, Nico. So I hope you're not lying about that stat now that you're cracking. I promise you, I just looked it up because I thought he was right. He is right. 28th no. 28th? Pitcher friendly? That means yeah, that it's, no, the Coors 30th. Is 30. Oh, shoot. Henry. Uh, nice. Henry, I was when so stats like, don't support our argument. I was like, they don't exist. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. I'm gonna look it up and I'm gonna be like, yeah, Henry, I'm gonna help you out. I was but expecting I thought, I thought hey, everyone big, talks about Comerica being yeah, a pitcher. Big, big dimensions. Yeah. Guys, uh, I'm in I'm in full uh, agreement here. I, I thought Comerica stat cast powered by AI. All right. Listen, we don't listen to the nerds here on the side retired. <laughs> you and your ex Woba. And your Sierra, we we don't care about that. This is Google. (laughs) We don't don't care about that. All right, but we do have another guy that snuck into the top 10 on both Nico and James's list, and you both have some experience with this guy, so I'm curious to see your up-close opinion on him, and that is Nolan Shanuel. Nico, you can go first, and then James, you can add on to that. He's definitely not right now a top 10 first base. Yeah, this is absolutely... But what's the prediction? I mean... Again, James could speak to this more than than I can because he was actually in the dugout watching this guy rake. But from watching him for again at least the better half of three years, like Nolan Shanuel has from multiple people that I've talked to in college, one of the best hitters they've ever seen. Like I went and I've talked to multiple people in like Miami from schools, and they all talked to me about him. And all he did was rake when he got to the minors, and then it's like, oh. What's he going to do in the majors? They rushed him up. What'd he do? He just broke the on-base record for the Angels. I mean, the guy just knows how to hit. The guy's able to get barreled to the ball. And I think, again, in a in a position where hitting is the premium, a guy who's been able to hit at all facets and he gets to the big leagues and all he does is hit, I think the power's going to come because the power's going to, because the power's shown up in all his careers. I think as he matures and as he gets adjusted to baseball, he's going to keep that same bat-to-ball skills and all his power's going to do is go up. The guy just flat out hits. He's flat out hit everywhere he's gone. So why would I think that he's not going to hit in the big league level after breaking the record for the on-base, franchise record on-base? James, thoughts on Shanwell? Yeah, I couldn't agree anymore. This was kind of just a straight-up glazing pick for me. Uh, I played against him last year in college. The guy is just an absolute beast. Uh, The power is there. Uh, We we didn't really get to see it in the big league level. Uh, It's a big adjustment going from, from metal to wood, and especially to have him be in the big leagues after just such a short time. I think he only played like 25 games in the minor leagues. Um, yeah, he flat out rakes. Uh, the defense is a little questionable, but who cares? He plays first base. Uh, expect to see him hit, I don't know, let's say 
315 with about I'll say 25 pumps uh, in a full season in Los Angeles. I like it. So I will go. I initially had Vinny Pasquantino as my number 10, but the more I'm digging into the numbers, plus he's coming off of surgery. And again, if Vinny Pasquantino turns out to be the comeback player of the year in the AL, then fully believe that it could indeed occur. But shout out to Spencer Steer, who is not the traditional first baseman, is not great defensively. He plays first and third, still needs to figure out the position, which with Joey Votto gone, it seems like he's going to slide over to first and Christian Encarnacion Strand is going to be the third baseman. But came up as a rookie this year, posted a three war, 120 OPS plus, 23 bombs, 270 batting average, stole 15 bases, on base over 350. In a very, and I think I'm going to use this correctly, and Nico, tell me if I'm wrong, a very hitter ballpark in Great American Ballpark. I believe... I hate to be the stat guy. I, 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 I looked it up. Actually, it's the third most pitcher-friendly ballpark guys, in the league. I promise you, legit, all I did was, like, pitcher-friendliest ballparks. But I'm and the pretty first confident. article that came up, I clicked on it was Bleacher Report. I'm like, ah, Bleacher Report. I trust them. But I'm I'm pretty confident that Great American is considered a hitter's ballpark. And I'm not going to hold that against Spencer Steer because if he keeps raking, especially in his rookie season, he finished sixth in Rookie of the Year this year. I think Spencer Steer has a valid argument to be a top 10 first baseman right now. And I think he's only going to get better as he continues to get more comfortable in a lineup with the Cincinnati Reds, who will now have some expectations on them to do well next year following their semi-decent year in 2023 but i can't believe we forgot this segment last week because henry we loved it last year and that is called yay or nay and that we've got a bunch of lists submitted to us by our listeners but nico wants to interrupt first so nico yeah. interrupt oh, real quick i just have a bone to pick with pitcher friendly ballparks oh like just ballparks where's great american before you No, no it's not that i think it's, it's a ton of bull honky. i i honestly think it's the stupidest thing alive like <laughs> Who cares if you play in a pitcher-friendly ballpark? All that means is you're playing 81 games there. Like, at the end of the day, do I care where you hit the ball out? Well, no. As long as the ball well, goes well, over. Well, apparently fence. you do because you were the one that decided no, to mention I'm it just, first. Well, you're, guys, you're, not even getting, you're not even getting 81 games. You're getting, like, 16. I'm trying to help. Every fifth day. Henry, I'm trying to help you. Wait. My whole thing is. <laughs> no. Henry, Henry, what are we saying? 16? <laughs> we're talking about hitters. No, I know, but like, but for a pitcher, right? If it's a pitcher friendly ballpark. Oh, no, pitchers. You throw it every fifth day. What I'm saying is, like, look, at the end of the day, you can't choose where, like, where you are on a team, mm-hmm. like, get called up. Like, you get drafted by your team, and that's kind of who you stick with. Like, it's not Spencer Steer's fault that he's playing in Great American. At the end of the day, you're still playing 81 games there. Like, the production's still there. This whole thing of, oh, he's not that good if he wasn't on that team. Well, guess what? He is on that team, so it doesn't yep. matter. Like what did no like everyone like puts it like on your guys who hit at an elite level for I don't I wouldn't call Spencer Steer that yet but Spencer Steer at the end of the day whether you say he's in a pitcher friendly ballpark hitter friendly ballpark he's on the Reds so you yeah. can't change where he is so at the end of the day you got to go just by off of what he does this whole thing of oh he's not really that good because he's in a hitter friendly ballpark he still put up the numbers at the end of the day and that's really what contributes to a team winning it, we don't get we don't adjust the scores based on where the ballpark is. And at the end of the year, when we decide who was actually right and who was wrong, we're not going to say, oh, his ex-Woba was higher and his expected stats are better. We're going to say who hit more homers, who hit more RBIs, who had the better season. Um, like, are we going to go and be like, oh, I don't know what the stats are on this, but we're going to be like, oh, Acuna played in in Truist Ballpark, and that's in a pitter-friendly ballpark, so we're just going to dock all his numbers by 30 points. No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> so they just go and be like, oh, he's in a – I think it's just the dumbest thing alive. At the end of the day, like – any. 
parks sometimes don't matter. I mean, at the end of the day, you still have to hit the ball. Like, yeah. if he's hitting the ball well, I don't care where he's playing. Hitting balls is hard. All right, well, let's get to yay or nay. And again, I will give the hot take and you guys say whether this is correct or incorrect. We're going to start off with that Nate Lau is the top 10 first baseman in Major League Baseball. I mean, none of us had him on our list. Well, none of us had him I, on our I list. I know, but it's sort of like a do you think, can you buy the take or not? He's there. I he, could buy he's it. There. He's there. He's I mean, like, he's I, like 11 looking, or 12. Yeah, when I was Damn. making this list, he was one of the guys I was like trying to fit in. I Again, you tell me, I think that there's a world where we see – He's the sixth best, and he wins the silver slugger again. Like, I think it's equally valid. I just didn't fit on my list. James, agree? Uh, yeah, I agree with that. All right, how about the guy that I just mentioned briefly, Vinny Pasquantino, being a top 10 first baseman? He's in the same boat, like, just missed for me. So, yeah, I, w- I would say he's like, he's right there if he has a great season. He was also hurt. Like, if he's what we're expecting, if he was what we were expecting, like after this year, kind of being the guy between after Bobby Witt, I think that he easily could be in that bottom of the top 10 conversation. I personally, going through this, I'm going to say nay. I think that enough guys are going to have years over him. I don't see the production that he's going to have at least this year, going to be top 10 worthy. Yeah, I, I think it's in Kansas City, uh, not having a lot of protection in the lineup. Teams really won't have to pitch to him that much if he does end up starting off out hot. How about a guy that I actually had as my number eight first baseman? Someone had him as high as number six on a fan vote submitted. Reese Hoskins as a top 10 first baseman in baseball. I mean, it depends on where he lands, right? Because like, That's true. Because, like, even though he's not going to the Phillies, right, mm-hmm. he could still land in, in a place where he ends up being more of a platoon first baseman slash like everyday DH. So, and like and we know what Reese Hoskins gives you on the baseball field. Right? Like he's he's very consistent, but I I feel like we could sort of revisit that once he actually signs because I think where he lands is actually going to be super important for the type of time that he sees. Yeah, I think Reese Hoskins for me is kind of getting into the boat of there's your elite first baseman, the guys that know out no matter how old they are, you know what they're gonna do. Your top five. And then I kind of think that we're gonna have this rise of like again, an emergence of first base, kind of being what we've always loved first base to be of like these guys who raked with these young stars like Torkelson, Casa, Shanuel, Yandi Diaz having his breakout year. I think that there's just not going to be enough room for Reese Hoskins because of the combination of the elite guys we have and the rise of young stars we're gonna have. So I'd say nay on that. Games. Yeah, I'd probably say no. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough getting out uh off injury. Um an AC, especially an ACL injury. Uh I, th- I think he'll have a, a difficult comeback season this year. I, I want to see him do great, but I don't think top ten is in the in the works for this season. All right, let's shout out to our boy Matt Potter behind the scenes, submitted his list as well. Freeman, Pete Alonzo all the way at number two. There's that Matt Bias out of boy. Olsen, Vladdy, Goldschmidt, Hoskins, number seven. Joey Votto. That boy's living in 2021. <laughs> I mean, I mean, yeah, if we're talking about like guys who uh, no, I mean, there's not the guy's retired. I mean, the guy's not gonna play. I mean <laughs> <laughs> for the 2024 projection. Like, <laughs> like this is nothing against this is not I'm not even gonna talk about how I think Joey Votto would do in 2024 for the simple reason I don't think he's playing in 2024. At best, I think the only option he's either retiring or he's being the bench batter at Toronto. 
So I don't have a bench bat being my number. How about my... how about James at number nine? Potter then proceeds to go with his Lau at eight. Anthony Rizzo's at number nine on his list. Absolutely not. I think we're way past Rizzo's prime. It's just time to get up on the dream. There's nothing, there's nothing left there. And at number 10, he's got Josh Bell on his list. Hey, Josh Bell's sneaky good. That like, was not not top 10 good, but sneaky good. <laughs> no one talks about it. That the easily, in my opinion, the best trade of the trade yeah, that yeah. was with the Marlins. The Marlins were the clear, in my opinion, winners. Bell and Berger of, together, yeah. Yeah, Bell and Berger together were like, I think just a slam dunk. I think they won the trade deadline. I think that again, there's a world where Josh Bell is. I just again, a lot of these guys that you've said, I can picture in my mind that they are able to get into the top ten. <laughs> I just personally don't see. It. I think Josh Bell personally takes a step back. I think that it was a um, not a flash in the pan, but kind of a it was great went off after a trade deadline, kind of that success trade you see, and then they kind of fall off towards the 2024 season. I mean, I completely forgot that the Marlins made the playoffs. Wow, I like. They're great, great for you guys, Miami. That was awesome. I co- I completely forgot. He, well about play- that. he did well in the playoffs. Too. Yeah, he did. He did. <laughs> and then allow me to introduce the list that I'm sure everyone has been looking forward to, and that is David Halpert's top ten first baseman, as he always has. <laughs> Olson, Freeman, Pete, all the way at number three. Okay. Christian Walker's at four. Bryce has fallen all the way to five. Goldschmidt's at six. Carlos Santana's at seven. Okay. What are we doing? I really no, like... no, no, hold on, hold on. Keep going, keep going, keep going. Just, just finish it out, and then I have a take. Spencer Steer is at eight. Okay. okay. Um, shoot, I forgot to write down his number nine is Nathaniel Lau. Okay. And at number ten, a name that we have not heard on this podcast yet, and might be the first baseman that Henry hates the most in the league because he's rocking the baby, and it's Josh Naylor's at number ten. I don't. I don't hate Josh Naylor. Josh Naylor. Oh, Josh. Josh Naylor is good for the game of baseball. Um, he got he got his comeuppance. I was there in the crowd chanting, "Who's your daddy?" Like, uh, like we're we're on neutral ground with Josh Naylor. Josh that's Naylor. a that's a better list than Matt Potter. It, it, it might be that that is that is a better list than Matthew Potter's. James, I was just saying Naylor's fat. That was my only take. <laughs> But now the list that everyone has been looking forward to. And again, thanks to our anonymous source who wishes to remain as anonymous as possible. We've got our top 10 best looking first baseman in the league. And shall we go from 10 to one? Shall we go from one to 10? How do you boys want me to dive this one down? 10 to one. All right. At number 10 is the Washington Nationals first baseman, Joey Manessis. Number nine. We are fans of the mustache. Matt Carpenter has found his way in at number nine. Number eight, we have mentioned him on the podcast already. The Pasquatch, Vinny Pasquantino. At number seven, dad bods are approved on the podcast. Polar Bear P. Alonzo has found his way onto the list at number seven. Number six, Nico's going to get upset with this one because this isn't a high ranking. It's Tristan Casas is number six on the list. He's not even the best Boston Red Sox first baseman because at number five, We've got Bobby Dahlbeck on the list. At number four, he's mentioned towards the top of the list. Regardless, it is indeed Christian Walker of the Arizona Diamondbacks. The top three is actually the top three that most people have had on this list. And that is Bryce Harper is at number three. Paul Goldschmidt has made his way on to number two. 
and the number one first baseman, according to our anonymous source, based on completely valid metrics, is Matt Olson. Henry. No, I think that's a that's a well crafted list. Nico. Um, I think you can't put AAA first baseman on lists, so I personally don't think Bobby Dalbeck should be on the list for some mm-hmm. reason. That guy always in my mind will be. Um, the Pawtucket starting first baseman. So Bobby Dalbeck is just a no for me for some reason. He's not a MLB first baseman. Um, other than that, I mean, Bryce Harper, dog, I, th- I think he needs to shave the beard. Like him a little mm-hmm. bit with more scruff. And I think once he does that, I think if he comes back with the long hair again, I, I'd have to concur. A little bit of the scruff. <laughs> I, think, I think he goes way back into that number one, as he should be. I mean, James wasn't on our – yeah, go for it. Har- Harper's got – Harper's got that love and dad energy. We've all seen the clip of that kid who lost. Harper his easily also, and he, and he nurtured. He nurtured him. He helped him out. I mean, if, one thing you gotta say about Harper easily, of all the guys, in, I think we have to put this in contribute. Harper has the most swag out of all the guys. Oh, absolutely. And I think we gotta contribute that. I mean, Harper's out there with the, with the headband. The cleats are always there. I mean, easily on field. I mean. If we're just taking the whole thing into consideration with swag and just the ultimate charisma, Harper blows everyone here out of the water, in my opinion. I don't think James realized that this was occurring because James, of course, missed our catcher's episode. <laughs> James, do you have any thoughts on this amazing list from our listener? From our anonymous listener who submitted yeah. this. It's a great list from our anonymous listener. Awesome. I'm just upset that Gmon Choi didn't make the list because... I feel like that could have been an easy 10. But, of course, we'll be back later in this week. We've got a cool upcoming interview or two later in the week. Obviously, we're hoping that a trade occurs so we can talk about that. I know Alex Verdugo occurred and Victor Caratini we can joke about. But there are apparently rumblings of Juan Soto. So, obviously, if that does indeed occur, we'll have all the fellas hop on the podcast and give their instant reactions to that trade. We've got some cool interviews, potentially a sponsorship on the way. Wink, wink, nod, nod. We've got some cool things ahead of Christmas lining up. For all of you guys as loyal listeners, supporters, and again, we want to say thank you for everyone who's stuck with us throughout the year. If you haven't gotten annoyed with Henry, Nico, James, and my voices, we do appreciate the five-star ratings on Apple Podcast. But until the next time, boys, we all good? All good to go. All right. So for Dylan, James, Nico, and Henry, until the next time, the side is retired. <laughs>